Episode 54, Lisa David Olson, business humorist, author of the book, Laughs on Rye, an improviser's memoir. Another favorite mistake is pranking a police officer and fracturing Uh my tailbone. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. I'm Mark Rabin. This is my favorite mistake. In this podcast, you'll hear business leaders and other really interesting people talking about their favorite mistakes. Because we all make mistakes, but what matters is learning from our mistakes instead of repeating them over and over again. So this is the place for honest reflection and conversation, personal growth and professional success. Visit our website at myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. For show notes, links, go to markgraven.com slash mistake54. Please subscribe, rate, and review. And now, on with the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to My Favorite Mistake. I'm Mark Graven. We're joined today by Lisa David Olson. She is a business humorist, and I think it'll be really interesting to explore um, what that is and what she does. So before I introduce Lisa a little bit more, first off, Lisa, thanks for being here. How are you? Thank you so much for inviting me. I was very excited to be invited to a show that has the word mistake so prominently in the title. <laughs> and I hope, well, we're only a couple, we're not even a minute in. And I, I hope you won't think it's a mistake to have uh, agreed to do it. <laughs> of course not. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah. So again, Lisa David Olson is, among other things, a speaker, an author, a podcaster, um, on, on her bio, it says she's a creative partner, that she loves coffee and pranks. And I found this interesting. She says, I won't scare the introverts. So as sure an introvert, why, I'm an introvert. Why are you afraid of scaring people like me? I'm not afraid of scaring you. I want you to know that if you invite me to your <laughs> company event and you want me to speak, I'm not going to say, all right, now, Mark, let's take off your jacket and just come on up here and we're going to have you talk in front of the 300 participants. That sounds great. I promise to not do that. Okay. Good. <laughs> I have Don't. the room for ideas and you can safely from your seat yell ideas. <laughs> but I guess calling that out, you, you did you have a bad experience with an introvert? <laughs> I just know what it feels like as extroverted as I am. I know the feeling of the days that I'm not in the mood and I don't want to be the attention as much as that's been most of my life, what I crave. I have my downtime, you know, just like our cell phones, we have to reset, recharge, turn them off, power them down. (laughs) I've found that in my 55 years, you got to find that time too. So if you told me at a certain time, come on out here and make something funny, (laughs) I'm going to (laughs) cry. Well, we don't want to do that here today. I don't want to cry. Yeah. Um, So let me tell you a little bit more about Lisa's work. She has a book coming out soon. Uh, It's called Laughs on Rye, W-R-Y, for the people couldn't hear the pun. Laughs on Rye, an improviser's memoir. Um, She has uh, a really fun podcast called Stranger Connections, and I'll ask Lisa a little bit more about that later. And she also has a humor group on Facebook called Counterclockwise. So I hope people go check that out. Like not, not right now while they're listening, but after after the episode. Make a note and do it later. Yes, make a note. Um, so, you know, Lisa, there's a lot we can talk about here today, and I'm glad you were um, kind of drawn in by the idea of talking about mistakes. What would you say is your favorite mistake? Well, it was hard to narrow it down to one. So if we ponder and, and dabble into any other zones, I'm, I'm free to share. 
but what stands out is the book. It a mistake I made was not writing it because I thought no one would read it. And I thought, I don't have a bunch of letters after my name. Why should I write a book? Yet for years, I craved to create a book because it is somewhat of a legacy. It's a challenge. I, I love challenges and I believe in daring yourself daily. Yet I wasn't living that. So that was a huge mistake is that I waited and we all need permission to play. We all need permission to be brave. But do we? <laughs> Can we give ourselves permission to be brave and just dare ourselves? I do now. But for the longest time, I wouldn't write my book because I, I had that inner voice was winning. I named my inner voice Sherman. And so until <laughs> yeah. I learned how to say, get lost, Sherman, I didn't write my book. Once I started and had interest, and people were interested, and I had the right editor that was encouraging, and we did weekly check-ins, then it started to happen, and Sherman got the heck out of my office. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's funny you talk about that that inner voice. Um, I have a book coach who I've used, and she talks to her authors about silencing that inner voice. It sounds better the way coming out of her mouth as a woman, so I'm not going to say it quite the same way, but she says, don't listen to your inner bee. Mm-hmm. No, I've made you think the word, but I don't know. Like it's it's different her saying it, I think, then. No, I understand. But I think it's and helpful though, I think. It's not ignoring it. I would challenge that. I would state you have to face it and you have to overcome it. You know, a lot of times I say when you are walking around in life with your issues, your problems, as we all do. I just had my therapy call this morning. I I'm all for it. You walk around with rocks in your imaginary backpack. And how many rocks can you unload in a day or a week? And Sherman is one of them. Name that inner voice. Give it a face. Mine looks like a really, really bad troll. And <laughs> as, as nutty as that sounds, it works. Because if you can give it that personality, and I did learn that in therapy years ago, and you give it a personality, then you can yell at it or, or know that that doubt inside is really Sherman. And it, you know, get out of here. I'm going to show yeah. you, Sherman. I'm going to write that dang book. <laughs> well, and and maybe I misspoke. Or I don't know. I'm, this is my recollection of Kathy, how the way she puts it. Maybe I'll uh, get her as a guest and we, we can hear her say it in her own words. But, you know, the, the message was clear. Like, you know, yes. um, don't talk yourself out of writing it. Don't be too self-critical. Um, how, how, so how long was this idea in your head? Like, how long did you um, delay writing it. My book is about my traumatic childhood and how humor saved my life and how humor is my escape. And then owning a comedy troupe later in life, I realized that humor is my family. Applause is a hug and laughter is acceptance. And so why would anybody want to hear that? And, you know, why, why would anybody want to read my words? But then just finding the right people and having the encouragement to get it out was amazing. And once I found the right team, it only took about eight months. And so it, it is about the ups and downs of my life. But the doubt part took a whole lot longer than the publishing part. And what a waste of time. You know, everybody's got a story. And if you sit there and say, but why would anybody want to read my story? That's the ugly inner voice that that your friend talked about. And 
and that I'm referencing, and we all know it, we all have it, whether it says you, you don't deserve that car, or you can't do um, a marathon or a half marathon, why would you do that? That's your inner voice that really should be the one that if you can flip it to state, I'm going to instead of I can't, I'm going to at least if I try, what if I walk three blocks, that's more than sitting on my couch. Yes, uh, baby steps is a very mm-hmm. helpful strategy for change. I've, I've seen that in the workplace. I, I know um, counselors who work with um, clients. You don't tell somebody, hey, you should start exercising 45 minutes in every, every, a day, every day. Go, go home, start now. Like that scares people off. They freak out. They don't, they don't start. So did you find baby steps in a way? Like, because writing a book is daunting, but writing a page might seem more manageable. Did you use an approach like that when you actually said, okay, I'm going to start writing? The, the big aha for me was when I wrote the words that stated, um, because coming from a traumatic home and an alcoholic mother and issues with siblings who all handled it in their own way, what if somebody reads it and it hurts her feelings? What if somebody remembers it differently? That stuck me for a long time. But I'll tell you what, these are my memories. And if you have a version that you want to tell, please go write your book. So I put that in pretty words, in inviting anyone in my, in my genetic pool that if they challenge it, help yourself, write your own book. And they haven't. <laughs> have they um and when when is the book is it, it's not quite available yet or when when is it available it actually is available and it's on amazon and it's laughs on ride wry an improviser's memoir and it's a life of choices instead of excuses and i'm not going to make excuses for my mistake of not double check i double checked some other things with lisa before we started recording and I told her I made a mistake in a, in, in a podcast. I, I read a subtitle of an author's book that was out of date. And my mistake this time was not double checking the release date. So I apologize for that. The no, book is available no problem at now, all. now, 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 no, go get, I, I mean, did an audio version. So that was, that was a really big challenge. That was more than I, I've done voice work. And, and like I say, I've been acting for so long, how odd to record your own book in your own audio and to not have it accepted. <laughs> what, the, the, they said, no, you have to hire another voice. No, my voice was okay, even though it's very Minnesota, but it was the fact of, uh, it was actually audio points and pauses at the beginning and the end and the tone and the volume. And my husband is amazing. And thank goodness he's an audio video engineer and made it work, but that took a whole lot longer than inpatient me impatient, not inpatient, impatient me <laughs> was willing to handle. Yeah. Well, good. Those technical details got, yes, well, glad you got help project. with that. Um, was it, I mean, what, was it less scary, um, to do that voicing that I, I, I have a friend who read her book as audiobook, and I know it's really, it can be grueling and time consuming, but did you feel more confidence in doing that once you had the words down? Yes. The joy in voicing my own book was that you might read, my chapters are called snippets. They're so small. You might read about a prank I pulled at work because I am a prank enthusiast. And you might read about that. In the next little spot, it could be about some abusive thing that happened when I was a kid. And then all of a sudden, you're going to read about me pranking my doctor during my female exam. So 
it is a roller coaster because that's what my life is. And that was another way that I could write because of the trauma in the past. I don't have clear, concise, um, chronological memories. Like some people can say, oh, my fourth grade teacher misses so-and-so. I don't have that. And once I forgave myself in trying to write in order and trying to be so exact, that's when I could write. And again, give yourself permission. So my stuff is not in order. And I write about that. This is going to go back and forth because I have a hummingbird brain. And and it's a great bathroom book. You are not involved in this big, long story. It's like, oh, that was quick. And then I include a little lesson at the end of every snippet. And it's not me teaching you. It's me saying, and this is what I took from that. Yeah. This is off off topic a little bit, but you, you make me wonder, has there been a decline in the bathroom book genre because of our phones? Ha! Huh. I would assume. I'm not in the publishing <laughs> industry, but I'm going to assume. But people just know what that means. I guess I could say waiting room book. Or, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right with the with the phone thing. That's what I love about my uh, young adult son when I, I said, he said, sorry, I didn't answer your text. I was in the bathroom. I was like, uh, you're lying because you're 25. <laughs> I know you take your phone with you. <laughs> Um, and that may or may not be a mistake for people to do that. It's definitely a mistake to lie to your mom. I mean, yeah, we should call him right now. (laughs) (laughs) This is not, this is not the Springer show really. Well, Hey, guess what? He's, he's behind this wall. Yes. Yes. She's not really your mother. (laughs) (laughs) Um, now in the book, do you, do you, do you also talk about, you know, some of the things that you do now of helping people in the workplace using humor in a business setting. Do you, do you touch on that in the book or I mean, I'd like to talk about that either way. Okay. Just a separate story. I am a business humorist and I have a journal that I self published and I had it printed locally and that's called what ifs and why nots. And it's, it's got space to write in it. And it's a lot of improv tips that I learned from my two decades of running a comedy troupe. And it's not, Um, it's not just saying, here's what you do on stage. It's not that at all. It's here's what I learned on stage and here's how you can apply it like active listening or, um, icebreakers and warmups for your team and how to connect your team, simple little exercises, or maybe Mark is stuck on writing and what should he do? I would say one idea is take your laptop from your desk and obviously you're at home. I'm thinking, And you would go into a different room. Why don't you go where the sun is coming in nicer and play a different style of music, maybe play coffee house radio. And it sounds like you're at a coffee house or put on country if that's not what you listen to and find that flow of ideas that just from changing physically and your sounds, you know, touch on your, on your senses and change those things and see what can happen. Yeah. So as you work with businesses and, you know, people are trying to be, more creative, you know, you see magazine covers. I don't know how they determine this, you know, the 50 most creative people in business or the most creative companies. What are some of the things that you do, um, you know, to help spark creativity or help get things moving where maybe things have just become uh, stagnant in a business somehow? You look at the pandemic going on a year now and saying, when we thought it was going to be two weeks and how that felt. Now I want you to dig down and feel how that felt. Dang, I won't be able to go to my favorite restaurant or what if stores close or, you know, what are we going to do? And all these 
these things, these real worries. And now look at us, how we adapted and how we are changing, how we are actually doing different styles of things. And some businesses grew. So we're all doing improv in in some way. We're, we're improving when we drive. We're improving in conversation. <laughs> so improv doesn't mean on a stage with a spotlight. So that's what I would talk about is when I get to go to companies, especially in person, I love it because I can be more gently interactive. But I've learned how to adapt to that on Zoom as well. And I, I give presentations. And it's a lot about getting the room to get into this think tank and do creative ideas and thought play and permission to play. And I, I have exercises that we will do in just thinking big and then making it workable. And it's very fun. It's very connective. People participate to the level that they're comfortable. Yeah. Have, have you seen it be helpful um, to do some sort of like formal improv type training as individuals or as a team if, if, if they find interest in that? Or is that is that a little too much too far? It just depends on the team. And it's certainly the best way to do that is like if I was coming to your event and we could set up an improv workshop. And that way, those who are interested in the actual art of improv, they would choose to be there or watch. And then we could just dig right into the actual improv, the act of listening and having your partners back. And then how that would work for your business as well, or even at home active listening to your child, you know, are you listening to hear them or are you listening to fix it? And that works for partners too. <laughs> so in, 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 in the context of, of comedy or maybe in the context of doing an interview, I'm trying to be a good active listener. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm thinking of, um, but I'm say my, I think it's funny. You call it, you know, hummingbird brain. I get distracted and I'm, I'm picturing, um, and remembering an episode of the office where Michael Scott was going to an improv class and how bad he was at it, which <laughs> considering how good Steve Carell, the person is yeah. at improv. Do you remember that episode? Yeah. Talk about acting, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That must have hurt him physically to be so bad. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because, I mean, he was not, you know, when you, you think of your point of listening and playing off of the other person, he wasn't doing that. He was just no. doing things he thought was funny and 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 not taking those cues. I mean, how, how are some of those habits from improv helpful to somebody, let's say, in a meeting or in a, a, a sales conversation? Oh, especially with sales is to listen to hear what that person's interested in. I mean, there's tricks about that. And the best salespeople already know this, that they actually are going to mirror what you say. And there's mirroring that, you know, we're, I'm going to sit more like you are. Or if you stood up, I'm going to stand up. There's physical mirroring, but there's also verbal and brain mirroring where you brought up that you like the office. Okay, now I know that. So now down the line, I'm going to make a reference to that or use one of the famous, oh, well, it's not as bad of a day as spilling chili when you're walking in. The, the <laughs> right. Kevin reference. Kevin. Is, uh, right. I'm listening actively so I can come back and know, okay, he brought that up. He definitely enjoys it. So that's active listening. If I'm just listening for my pitch, that's not going to work. And I just recently posted on LinkedIn about using humor as a connector, which is my big, huge overall message. But also, you know, taking two unlike ideas and bringing them together, but then also making sure that we build a relationship. So if I'm trying to sell you windows, maybe I'm going to send you a window meme 
in a couple of days just to be, stay connected with you and not making a sale. And maybe I'm going to say, wow, when you told me about your your new bicycle, I, I can't believe I saw like three bikes after that just because we talked about it. Soft touches to stay in touch, but show you that I heard you and that I'm using your interests for a sales connection, but it's a soft yeah. lead. Yeah. So when you think of using humor as a connector, like, again, I'm thinking back to the office where I think Michael Scott, you know, tried to do that, you know, building connections with his employees or times you, you would see him go and, and sell. But you know, whether you're Michael Scott or less extreme uh, version, I mean, there, there are risks, I guess, of, uh, of trying to use humor in the workplace. What, what are your thoughts on the risk of making mistakes when someone's trying to connect with others or to, to be funny for whatever reason? It happens a lot because the the humor that falls a little bit flat can happen a lot because of people's nerves and they think it's funny or they just laugh because they're nervous. The best thing you can do is to make someone feel comfortable and don't use inappropriate jokes. <laughs> There's certainly that group at work that maybe that is your thing um, or that it, it wouldn't be for the public for sure. But that doesn't happen on a first time introduction. So you're going to be safe with your humor and you're going to be clean with your humor. And when I do talks, it's always corporate clean. I don't go on the edge at all. If your brain wants to take it there, that's up to you. But you, if you keep it clean, that's the way to stay connected and feel safer. So you're kind of, you have to build up your safety zone and make people feel comfortable. That's the most important thing. So finding something you connect on, like the office, like we said, or maybe there's something uh, on the wall that is of humor and you can reference that or or if somebody says something about kids, oh, kids are so funny, and the gentle nudges toward humor. But like when I'm at the store right now, I've, I've found a joy in, instead of, you know, the, the clerk might say, oh, did you find everything? Or how are you today? And you say, fine. And they and I say, how are you? Fine. Well, that's all a lie. We're not <laughs> fine. But we're certainly not right. going to get into, oh, my knee hurts or whatever. But a different question one could ask, and this works at the office, but I've been doing it at the grocery store. What are you doing for fun lately? Mm, mm -hmm. So how would you answer that, Mark? How would I answer that? Um, doing this podcast has been fun. That's a relatively new project of mine. Um, finding finding new movies, trying to find, uh, you know, it's funny, I uh, the, the, when, when you're in the mood to watch something that makes you laugh versus, uh, other types of, uh, I don't know. My, my, my wife and I, when we try to decide what to watch, like she it loves murder podcasts. She actually yeah. listens. She listens to this podcast, which is, I think the only non-crime junkie <laughs> murdery podcast that she listens to. And she likes watching movies and shows like that. So sometimes she surprises me when I say, okay, well, you know, you want to, you want to choose a show tonight and she'll say, let's watch something funny like that. That it's a pleasant surprise. But then if the movie turns out to not be funny, that was a, that was a disappointment recently. That was not the question you asked, but. And then um, that was on you because you chose it. So now it's your fault. It, well, it was a mutual decision of like, well, you know, what, let's just move on from that movie and we'll try something else. That's the beauty right. of streaming as opposed to going to a physical theater where you, I guess you feel kind of invested in like, well, uh, I paid for that. I'll suffer through it. But now we, we basically so bad that they are funny. 
Yeah, and that I don't think that was the case here, and I I won't name names. Of yeah, the movie. Oh, there's but. so many good things for humor out there, and so in asking that, then then I learned more about you than than just what I've just met. Now I know about your your opinion on movies. I know that your wife is awesome because she likes crime podcasts like I do, and. <laughs> the different things that we just connected and that might've taken 35 seconds or something like that. And what I've learned at the store is one girl is on a dance team and she even showed me a picture. And I, I asked this other guy one day, what are you doing for fun? And he's got big dreadlocks and tie dye shirt, just a big guy. And he says, Oh, we've been fostering little kittens. And he just melted and he just became this sweet little gentle, you know, yeah. Oh, wow. you would never know that. And by simply asking someone, what are you doing for fun? That opens actual conversation. And I could have grown from that. I immediately thought, oh, I should tell you about this show. That's funny. And that's how you connect and really get beyond the nerves. And then you can kind of find out someone's humor once you tell me what movies you watch. That's 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 a great question. So there's there's a. Pro tip for everybody listening. There's a great conversation starter. What are you doing for fun? Now, I want to think back to something you said earlier, Lisa. I was going to ask you as a follow-up because it sounds like I've learned about you. Pranks are fun. Is there a favorite recent prank of yours that's maybe like new? It's not in the book. Like what, what's your most recent, most favorite oh. prank? Jeez. Well, uh, another favorite mistake is pranking a police officer. Oof. And fracturing Uh-oh. my tailbone. <laughs> oh no! Yeah. So I work with so, police during the day, so I'll go backwards. <laughs> yeah, there's 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 a, a important middle part of the story there. What happened? Yeah, but that wasn't a fun way to start it. Wouldn't you rather say I <laughs> my got my tailbone broken by a cop? That sounds dumb. That's a story I'm listening to. But one of the officers, I, I'm dispatching records at the police department, and and one of the officers was around the corner, and I took the ream of paper. I had an empty ream of paper in my hand, just the outer wrapper. And I heard him coming. So I just went up because he's a big guy. And I went up and I went pow like that when I could tell he was coming around the corner. And he raised a fist just just out of reflex, yeah. but stopped because he's good. And I got trapped between his ginormous red oak arm and the wall. And I got dragged as he kept walking. He wouldn't move his arm. We worked together for years. So that's nothing new. He didn't strike me. He didn't touch me. But because I existed, I touched him and I was dragged down the wall and fell directly on my butt and fractured my tailbone. <laughs> my fault. And I would do it again. <laughs> you would surprise a police officer. That seems like a, a mistake did. to learn I, from. Yeah, I do it. I do it. But I, I love putting those snap and pops. You ever have those? They're in a, in a little paper twisted up and you throw them on the ground and they pop. Mm-hmm. Sometimes mm-hmm. they're Okay. If you tape those into an open door hinge, like six is a great number, you tape the little tail onto the metal door hinge, like when it's open. So when your coworker goes into the bathroom and they shut the door, pow, it's a delightful sound. Like this, I'm like, I'm worried for you. This seems, these are, these seem like dangerous pranks, Lisa. (laughs) I'm risky. That's what my husband said. What are you thinking? Pranking officers. And I go, what a way to go. (laughs) If that's my story, that's a good story. It's all about the good story. (laughs) (laughs) I even prank Um, our dog. Our sons all moved out. Your dog. Yeah. I even hide around the corner to prank the dog. (laughs) And I'm like, Ooh, you should have seen your face. You know, she just goes off and lays down. Not impressed. Yeah. 
Wow. We'll see you on, uh, you, you could write um, a sn- another snippet book of world's most dangerous pranks. <laughs> or it's a or different how to podcast. Your dog. Yeah. Um, a different podcast beyond Stranger Connections, which is um, Lisa's podcast. Um, one other question I wanted to ask um, about, about humor, and then I want to uh, with, um, learn a little more about the podcast and the Facebook group. What are your thoughts on humor as being like just a gift where people say, oh, well, so-and-so, they have a sense of humor versus developing a sense of humor. You find that a lot of it is genetic. You know, some people are great storytellers and they can tell the story in, in the pieces that build up to an outcome. And some people are great joke tellers. They can do the same with that storytelling pace. Myself, all I can remember are punchlines, which is another fun game punchlines only. I made that up. I'm sure it exists, but I made it up. And so it, you will find that it's genetic. I mean, do you agree with your family that your humor is the same? Like if you're dry or you're outwardly funny, you think about I, 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 I see variation amongst my, I'm going to think of my dad's brothers and sisters. Um, there's varying degrees of that. Um, I'm trying to think of, I think my, my uncle and my one aunt, I haven't seen them in the same place in together in a long time, but there's a similar, there's a similarity. So is it nature or nurture of having grown up in the same household? That, that would be a science question because when you look at being the new person at someone's family gathering, pretend you're the new partner showing up for Thanksgiving and all the inside jokes that are flying and everybody picks on Bob for a while and then they shift it over to Sharon for a while or or it's just about, you know, the cooking. And, and it's so funny how the family dynamics, the ethnicity maybe of their cooking, maybe it's a big Italian family and they have this certain jokes. I really feel like a lot of it is genetic. And can it be learned? I think you asked. I think to a point, And there's just so many different types of humor. There's really smart humor. There's dirty humor. There's physical humor. So there's just so many variances that this is how we find friends, I think, is when we match up things like that. Not just hobbies, but what makes us laugh. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. So um, Lisa David Olson, again, her book, her memoir is Laughs on Rye, an improviser's memoir that's available now. And um, tell us a little bit more about Stranger Connections. I've heard a couple of episodes and it's it's a interesting mix of guests that you have. What was the inspiration behind the show? Tell us about it. Thank you. I love weirdos and I ask for weirdos. <laughs> and when I say weirdo, that's a compliment and it's respectful. Um, <laughs> sure. I want quirky stories, strange careers. I interviewed my first episode was a monk who was a monk for nine years, I believe, and then quit. So you can believe I was asking, what made you start? What made you quit? And every single guest will share a dare or a prank that they have done or had done to them. And I let them know that ahead of time. I certainly don't want to spring it on them and have them sit because I want it to be a good one. And what that has turned into by a beautiful mistake is that like interviewing someone about... um, she's a storm chaser and she's, uh, she's running toward tornadoes. And when I interviewed her, it was just this recent, uh, winter storm in Texas. So she didn't know if she was going to lose power. It was a very, to me, very exciting episode. And then you ask about pranks. 
And it has nothing to do with storms, nothing to do with the impending, you know, actual storm that's happening while we're interviewing. So that's what flips it. And you really get to see this other side of the person. And I just adore that. So send me your weirdos. I'm still looking for the nurse who walks on hot coals. I lost her number. (laughs) Uh, I interviewed a guy who takes a 40 pound troll everywhere he goes. He's skydived with him, skydived, skydiven. And (laughs) (laughs) any of those, you know, or none of of them or or nothing. Yes. Or jumped out of an airplane with this wooden figure. Yes. There you go. But yeah, it just cruise the episodes because there is no one theme at all, except that everyone's unique. We all have a story. And you start off strangers and uh, you get to know each other through that. I have made so many cool friends. Yes. And that's not my goal. It just happens because when you connect like we are, you find out, you know, all the connections and send each other people that might be of interest. And it just is a a beautiful thing to meet new people and find what makes us unique yet connected. Well, I'm glad that I've gotten to meet you, Lisa, through uh, the podcast. I mean, I've been doing different podcasts for 15 years and people ask, why do you do it? I'm like, it's great for networking professionally, other podcasts. And and with this podcast series, um, I've met a lot of really interesting people who I wouldn't have uh, met or been able to interview on some of those past podcasts. So um, I'm glad we could do that today. I'm glad that you could be a guest and, and share your story. Tell us about your book and your podcast, Lisa. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate it, Mark. Thanks again to Lisa for being a guest. You can go to markgraven.com slash mistake 54. As always, thanks for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review if you haven't already done so. If you like the podcast, I actually the best thing that you could do is share it with somebody else, whether you want to post on LinkedIn or Twitter, on Facebook. If you like this series or if you like this episode, share it with a friend. That would really help. And I hope this podcast inspires you to reflect on your own mistakes, how you can learn from them or turn them into a positive. I've had listeners tell me they've started being more open and honest about mistakes in their work, and they're trying to create a workplace culture where it's safe to speak up about problems because that leads to more improvement and better business results. If you have feedback or a story to share, you can email me, myfavoritemistakepodcast at gmail.com. And again, our website is myfavoritemistakepodcast.com.